Hi, and welcome to the Dirt Bike Podcast. This is the official podcast of Dirt Bike Magazine, and that is the same Dirt Bike Magazine that's been in print for over 50 years. If you can't find us on the newsstand, you can always find us at www.dirtbikemagazine.com, and you can even have it come to your doorstep by clicking on the subscribe button and then entering the promo code INSIDE to be a Dirt Bike Magazine insider. You'll get a 20% discount. Today, we're going to be looking at two dual sport bikes, probably the two best-selling dual sport bikes of our time, the Kawasaki KLX 300 and the Honda CRF 300L. Both of these bikes are featured on our YouTube page, so you might check out the video versions there. These bikes are everywhere. You see them on the road, at schools, around town. The main appeal is price. They each sell for around $5,500. Both are made in Thailand, and both are all about simple transportation as well as recreation. The Honda CRF 300L first appeared as the CRF 250L back in 2013. Then it got a major update in 2021. That's when the stroke was increased by 8 millimeters to arrive at 286 cc's. It got new camshafts, and both the airbox and the exhaust were redesigned. The finish is outstanding. The brakes are made by Nissan, and the rims are aluminum. You have to get up close to see the inexpensive stuff. The suspension is about as basic as possible. The rear has adjustable spring preload, and that's all. No reservoir, no clickers. The handlebar is 7 eighths inch steel, and there are no handguards or frame guards. It comes in at 286 pounds without fuel on our scale. The Kawasaki KLX 300 has a very different backstory. It's been blinking in and out of existence since 1994. In technology back then, it was miles ahead of the single overhead cam air-cooled four-strokes of the day. The off-road version of the KLX lasted about 15 years. Most of that time, it was a 300. The dual-sport version of the KLX 250 was introduced in 2006. It disappeared for a brief period and then showed up again with fuel injection. The version of the bike you see today came to life in 2021 when the displacement was up to 292 cc's. One area where Kawasaki splurged was in suspension. The fork has adjustable rebound damping and the piggyback shock has adjustable preload, rebound, and compression damping. On our scale, the Kawasaki is 282 pounds without fuel. Both bikes are taller than you might expect. With unladen suspension, the lowest part of the Kawasaki seat is 36 and a half inches. The Honda's is 37.2. That changes as soon as the bikes settle under their own weight. To ride these bikes in their natural environment, we spent some time on fire roads, mountain trails, and a little bit of street. They don't belong on a race course. Both bikes come with very street-oriented tires. In order to go on an off-road ride of any substance, you need to replace them with full knobbies. We installed Dunlop's new Geosport EN91 tires, which are knobbies with DOT approval. One-on-one, -on -one, these two bikes make great trail companions. The performance is so similar that you can't help but have fun. Just don't invite those guys on 302 strokes. The Honda and the Kawasaki won't be able to keep up. They both make around 23 horsepower and rev out around 9,500 RPM. That's enough power to go respectably fast on level, hard-packed trail. 
When you get into sandy hills, they struggle, and you have to shift like a madman. If you try to stretch a gear by abusing the clutch, both bikes fall flat. If you really pay attention, you discover that the Honda has slightly more low-end power. It's also geared lower, particularly in first and second. Both bikes could use lower final gearing. In the big picture, though, the motor performance on these two bikes is so similar it's almost eerie. The seat height is more relevant to most buyers in this market. Not only is the Honda a little taller, but it has a wider seat. That means short riders will struggle just to get a leg over it. Riders who are taller and those who are more experienced, on the other hand, will like the Honda's extra ground clearance. It isn't just about clearing rocks and stumps. It's about how close your feet are to the ground. On the Kawasaki, you're nervous about wiping your feet clean off its narrow little foot pegs. In the suspension department, neither bike is set up for real off-road riding. They're made to be cushy and comfortable around the campsite, nothing more. If you get aggressive, they get pitchy and divey, even in the mildest off-road terrain. In the case of the Kawasaki, you at least have the option of subtle fine-tuning. You can increase preload on the rear shock and bump up both compression and rebound damping. That gives you a little more security, but the range of adjustability is limited. The Honda, on the other hand, has no adjustability and desperately needs more damping at both ends. You can improve both bikes by spending money, but all the money in the world won't make them into race bikes. Our advice is to focus on what these bikes do well. They both start easily, run cleanly, and are virtually vibration-free. They both have excellent brakes, and the Honda is even available with anti-lock brakes for an additional $300 if you want it. If you have no more than $6,000 to spend and you want to ride, either of these bikes is a gift from heaven. Between the two, we believe the Kawasaki is the best entry-level bike because of its smaller size, shorter seat height, and better suspension. More experienced riders might be drawn toward the Honda because of its better low-end power, but its underdamped suspension more or less cancels that out. It's a close call in either case, and it underscores how closely Honda and Kawasaki were looking at each other when these bikes were developed. At the end of the day, the Honda and Kawasaki 300s are either stepping stones leading to more extensive investment in the motorcycle world, or a final destination for passive involvement. They play both roles well, and the motorcycle world needs them more than it needs any more $13,000 super dual sports. You can check out the individual reviews of these two bikes and others on our YouTube channel. And if you subscribe, you won't miss anything in the future. You can also check out DirtBikeMagazine.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And we're still on the newsstand with real ink and paper, just like we've been since 1971.